welcome to the Checkered to Green podcast with your hosts, David Maudie and Elliot Tardiff. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening to this, this is from Checkered to Green, the podcast, all about racing as told by three lifelong racing fans, and from time to time, talking about the business aspects of racing, the green it takes to take the green. Welcome to episode 22. I am David Maudie, alongside are my colleagues, Elliot Tellerdiff. Welcome back, and Ryan Kolpak. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, good sir. Good evening, gentlemen. So I got lucky this weekend. I got to um, take my daughter, and we went to go support the local track up at Oswego Speedway and saw some good racing this weekend. Very cool. Who was running? Uh, we had the Super Modifieds, you know, Oswego Speedway, the home of the Super Modifieds, the Steel Palace. Um, let's just say they broke in the new foam blocks quite a bit in the corners, the small block supers, and then they had the Atlantic Coast vintage race cars, which included some old modifieds, including Jeff Bodine's 99 modified. Um that he ran in the 70s and 80s, car number 99, and some old-time midgets, sprint cars, and some guy had an Indy Roadster, and I appreciate his driving. He drove with one arm up like it was a Sunday drive on the on the side of the car. It was wow. pretty fun. That is pretty crazy. Ah, uh, the good times. Oh, Yes. Yeah. And for those of uh, those of our listeners who uh, do not know what a super modified is or um, how that applies to uh, the very rich history of Oswego Speedway, um, I would recommend a little video that uh, a fellow on YouTube by the name of Slap Shoes put together uh, that chronicles the history of the super modifieds, how they came to be, um, how they came to be at Oswego, and why they're um, still very popular today. Um, I definitely recommend that. And but, and and to add on top of that, Google the YouTube. Look on YouTube the video of the 1980 Oswego or Budweiser International Classic at Oswego Speedway. History mm-hmm. made when when the late great Jimmy Champagne led all 200 laps in a wow. dominating performance. So. Yeah, a lot of good videos out there. Very cool. Um, yeah, so um, it's been a, a, a typically warm and unsettled um, time of it here lately. Um, uh, David, like you, I was able to uh, take my family down to the beach and actually uh, um, take a, a weekend uh, over Independence Day, actually, and um, enjoy some time away. We had planned on going a couple of weeks before um, but our son got sick, and so we had to uh, stay home and, and nurse him back to health, which uh, he is very much fine and, and doing great today. Um, but uh, we got a chance to uh, go and enjoy the beach for the first time in the summer, which is very nice. And um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, just enjoying uh, the sultry, warm, and sunny Carolina summer. Ryan, how about you? 
Oh, it's been pretty business as usual around western New York. The summer rains have been making themselves known. However, the weekends have been fairly nice, all things considered. So won't hear any complaints out of me. I was fortunate enough to take in some racing this past weekend at my local track, the Lancaster Speedway, and got to see the modifieds, the four-cylinders, the uh, NYPA midget, and the street stocks running a couple of races. Solid showing around. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Very cool. Well, Ryan, you talked about um, uh, about business uh, at the, the top of your thoughts. Um, and indeed, business has been picking up across the entire motorsport spectrum uh, in the first part of July. Um, let's jump right into the checkered segment. Um, and let's chronicle everything that's happened here in NASCAR, um, running at the, the road course in, in uh, Road America up in Wisconsin over Independence Day weekend. And then uh, just here last, um, uh, this last weekend in Atlanta uh, for the finale of the, the track as we currently know it there. Uh, and more on that later. Um, we also had the IndyCar series at Mid-Ohio. Um, and then the uh, second F1 race at the Red Bull ring in Australia. So let's jump right into the, uh, the NASCAR results from the last couple of weeks. Um, so um, as we have seen in other road course events uh, here in the last couple of years, it was the Chase Elliott show. And it was just somebody, you know, anybody trying to, to catch him really. And with few exceptions, they really didn't have much luck. Chase Elliott uh, ran away with the race by the end of it, um, leading 24 laps um, on the day, according to racingreference.info, and winning handily over the Joe Gibbs pair of Christopher Bell and Kyle Busch. Brother Kurt Busch finishing fourth, Denny Hamlin rounding out the top five. Chase Briscoe having his best finish of the season in sixth. Um, Chastain, Reddick, Truex, and DiBenedetto rounded out the top ten. Uh, some other notables, um, Ryan Priest having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad weekend um, and finishing last on the day. Yeah, not a very good weekend overall for Ford either. Uh, only two Fords in the, uh, the top 10, um, five in the top 15, uh, Keselowski, Umrola, and Logano uh, finishing 13th, 14th, and 15th respectively. So moving forward a week to Atlanta. Um, and it was, uh, generally speaking, a completely different story. Uh, Chase Elliott started up front um, on the, by virtue of his win at Road America, but struggled for much of the day and recovered uh, somewhat well to finish uh, in the seventh position um, on the day. But it came down to a late race duel between the brothers Bush, Kurt and Kyle, and a, a timely assist from Kurt Busch's Ganassi Racing teammate, Ross Chastain, uh, who was running to stay on the, uh, the lead lap late in the race, um, ran a line that Kyle Busch um, liked to run, and that slowed Kyle Busch down, and that gave Kurt Busch the opportunity to catch him and pass him late and hold him off uh, from a, a spirited charge by Kyle Busch in the last 10 laps or so. Uh, to take his first win of the 2021 season 
and bring Ganassi Racing into the playoffs in their swan song season. So Kyle Busch finished second, Martin Truex Jr. was third, Bowman uh, was fourth, Ryan Blaney rounded out the top five. Then you had Reddick, Elliott, Bell, Benedetto again in the top 10 uh, for the second race in a row. And Brad Keselowski rounding out the top 10. Kevin Harvick struggled mightily throughout the day, um, dealing with track position, having to pit um, for some fender damage um, and having a tough time uh, just trying to uh, uh, regain all that lost track position, uh, almost as he did back here in March as well. I think he finished about uh, in the same area. Uh, then you had Dylan Hamlin, Bubba Wallace um, having a, a solid day, finishing top 15. And then Chase Briscoe um, following up his sixth place finish at Road America with a top 15 here at Atlanta. Um, quick mention about the Xfinity series the last couple of races. Um, Kyle Busch won both of them, um, winning at Elkhart Lake over a fading A.J. Allmendinger. Um, and holding off a charge from Daniel Hemrick and then here at Atlanta, um, winning pretty handily um, and uh, by all accounts, calling his Xfinity series career good. So um, this year he entered five races, he won all five. And as he said he would do, if he got to 100 uh, wins in the Xfinity series, he was probably going to call it good. And uh, by all accounts, he's a man of his word. So uh, let's go around the horn, gentlemen. Let's get your thoughts on uh, the last couple of couple of weekends here in uh, the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series. Uh, David, let's start with you. So I gotta say first, I, Ryan and I, you, Ryan and I talked about it in the last episode about that dominance with Hendrick and how literally it was Hendrick or Gibbs, the you know, so many races and. Um, Chase Elliott keeping up his road course, um, you know, his road course strengths here, doing well on the road course. He, he's the favorite. Again, I mean, out of three road courses this year, he's taken two of them. So that is really good. I mean, they got Watkins Glen coming up where he's won that. So Chase Elliott is becoming a, a really good road course ringer. And, and he's always a favorite. I saw the last few laps. I know um, Bowman got into Larson, and I think Kyle Busch was hoping for a caution. Well, that didn't happen. Lar uh, Bowman, Larson both came down pit road, and they, you know, and Bell got by Kyle Busch. But the Atlanta. Um, in the Atlanta race, and I think it's an interesting play. I'm glad Kurt Busch won it. Um, I think, you know, with, with the news going on with Ganassi that, that has come out, that was really good and really helpful. I think Ganassi need, needed that. And with Kurt Busch, he needed it too. It was his first win in, you know, 33 races was his winless streak. Um I know what Kyle Busch said, and I, I'm going to be very honest. That was a very stupid remark to say, considering that Chastain is probably going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You shouldn't tarnish, you know, shouldn't try to tarnish somebody by saying, well, I just smoked it. We know what, he, what type of driver he is. Well, no, if you look at the replay, 
and Kyle Busch probably didn't see it because he's behind him. Kurt's coming under him, and Kurt said, hey, you know, I'm coming low, which Kurt could make the low line work really good. And when he did that and he went low, Chastain went high. Well, I hate to say it, but there was Quinn Huff, a very slow car, and Chastain at the last moment had to clear him. So he didn't rock. So, you know, it, it wasn't a block move. It was, you know, faster cars. You know that the faster cars are coming. So what do you got to do is you got to get out of the way. Well, you know, typically you go high to let the cars go low. So I, I'm sorry, but Kyle Busch, I, you know, I, I'm glad he's done with the Xfinity series. Hopefully he'll be done running the truck soon, but he, you know, that just irked me after the, the way yesterday. I mean, take it like a man, you know, don't go try tarnishing someone because I hate to say it. What if Gibbs signs Chastain, you know? then Kyle's going to have to deal with them. So, yeah. <laughs> um, th- those, those are my thoughts, but really good racing and congrats to Kurt Busch. Ryan? I got to be honest, as a road course man, it, watching Road America and the NASCAR run there, it, I really enjoyed it thoroughly, beginning to end. Do you see who the the strategic road course drivers are just by the way they maneuver not just, you know, that frantic section at the end where you try to make up a slot or two, but you know, the seasoned veterans like Chase Elliott, he, he grinded that race up to the front and with his skill, you saw he, once he got to the front, you knew right then and there, it's like, no, this race is his. He fought for the front. He's going to keep it. And he did. And that's why never, never sleep on Chase Elliott on a road course. Congratulations to him. And another fun little tidbit about Atlanta. It is the fourth career one-two win for the Bush brothers. And it's like, you got to hand it to them. Doing that once is an accomplishment, but these two quality drivers have done it four times across their careers. That's, that's talent right there. It is. And uh, Ryan, you talked about the, um, touched on kind of the atmosphere surrounding the the, uh, the race at Road America. Um, and they had been people that had raced there in the Xfinity series. And I think maybe the, I don't know if the trucks had gone up there, but they had said, listen, if you bring the, 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 the cup cars up here, it's going to be a show. And the Midwest is going to turn out. Wisconsin's going to turn out. And they did in huge numbers. I think it may have been a sellout. Um, and I believe it was because I heard yeah. uh, chatter about that from the commentary. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was a sellout from what I heard too. Yep. And there's there's debate now about okay, you know this this was such a positive for the sport, and let's be honest, there haven't been a whole lot of positives here, you know, lately. Mm-hmm. Um, that okay, do we you know keep this going forward? Do we make this? the independence day race weekend going forward um and there's a lot of debate back and forth um you know about do we or don't we um you know and um i know in particular there was a really good debate about this subject on the door bumper clear podcast not long ago so um it's it's that's that will go one way or the other for sure um 
but um, yeah, Kyle Bush had a lot of things to say um, in Atlanta, be it about Ross Chastain or be it about the track redesign, um, which I think we may want to kind of dig into a little deeper at a later time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, great, great racing all around. Um, and this iteration of Atlanta Motor Speedway went out um, as the, as you know, we're, people that um, appreciate, you know, a, a, a good race and an organic race like to see. And that is somebody takes the lead, you know, stretches it out for a bit. Maybe they use their stuff up a little too much and they come back to the field. Right. And so you have that degree of how much do you manage the tires? You know, how, uh, how much do you try and wheel it around on the, on the bottom, on the paint, or do you try and run it around up top? Um, you know, all those things came together in a, um, a really wonderful way. But with that said, you know, it is pretty obvious that yes, you know, this, this iteration has seen its day. It's time for a new one, you know, when the track's coming up and you're having to throw the red flag to, you know, cover up these massive schisms in the in the racetrack that's that's not a good thing so um but i digress we had a lot more racing uh that's gone on here in the, the last little bit so david why don't you tell us about the uh, the indycar race at mid ohio um and somebody finally getting their due yes joseph newgarn finally got his due at mid ohio he was dominant on the pole led all led 73 out of the 80 laps. The race was shorn. I'm not the racing reference.info just said race shorn due to, and then didn't give the reason, but um, I, I'm so I'm not sure why it was shorn 10 laps. It, it could be a time thing. Sometimes these are timed races um, or could be weather or something happened, but yeah, Joseph Newgarn guys guys do in a dominant. So did Penske finally. The the um they, he gets a win. Marcus Erickson was second. Alex Palou third. Uh, you lose your points leader. Scott Dixon fourth. Alexander Rossi fifth. Graham Rahal sixth. Roman Grosjean good performance in seventh. Pedro Award eighth. Santino Ferrucci ninth. And Takumo Sato was 10th. Um, Colton Herr, who started second, was doing well in the race. He was leading when Newgarn pit. And all of a sudden, it went bye-bye on a pit stop. They had a fueling issue. Um, you know, they, they got the fuel holes in, and something was happening where the fuel was not flowing properly. And they just couldn't. So it was a much longer stop. And that essentially ended his day of being competitive, which turned, you know, he was probably the biggest challenger. Um, there were a couple of wrecks. Will Power, Ed Jones crashed on lap three. Um, what happened was Will Power spun out in a blind part of the track. Ed Jones didn't see him in, in smoke, but they were all okay. James Hinchcliffe wrecked at the start. Um, had actually both accidents were in turn five, which is a blind corner. But yeah, it was it was a definitely good race. I watched the highlights of it. Very good race. Good job, 
everything was was great with um, Joseph Newgarn and IndyCar had a had a really good Fourth of July, and on top of it, it was fifty years to that date when Penske won his first race. When Penske, that team had won their first IndyCar race, so a lot of joyous celebration going on. We'll go around the horn on this really quick. Jelman, your thoughts about the Mid-Ohio? Well, for Joseph Newgarden, this was, you know, kind of coming out of the ashes of uh, the last uh, last few races where, you know, he, he uh, was fading at, at Belle Isle. Um, he had a, the ECU problem at Road America. And in both cases, he was in position to win. You know, he, he had... Um, you know, very high chances of winning both of those races. And we're just talking those two. And both of them slipped through his fingers. And so for him to finally take all of those things and be able to close the deal, um, that's that's a, a, a big thing for him, big thing for this uh, this Penske racing team going forward. Um, you know, according to Racing Reference, that info leading 73 of the 80 laps, um, that's, that's a pretty good day by anyone's standards. Um, also, it's good to see Roman Grosjean uh, taking the uh, Dale Coyne and Rick Ware entry and uh, starting to, you know, take some good speed that they've had in this car this year, especially on road courses, and being able to translate it into the finishes. Um, they ran well the week, uh, the, the race before, and here they were able to uh, take a car that started 18th on the grid and bring it home seventh. So, uh, great day for them as well. Ryan, what are your thoughts? As much as I am a Scott Dixon fan, when it comes to IndyCar, there was no one who deserved to win this race more than Joseph Newgarden. The, his performance in that race was as good as anyone has any right to ask for. I got to be honest, watching that race, I was so far on the edge of my seat, just praying that he didn't have some other boneheaded thing happen that cost him this race, where if I was any further forward, I'd have fallen out of my seat. And when he took that well-deserved checkered flag, I always thought was, oh, it is about time. Well done, sir. Most certainly. And the championship points are heating up. I mean, Palou's leading the, the championship right now. But if you take a look, um, Pedo awards 39th back. Scott Dixon is 69th back. I don't think Dixie's going to get um, the championship this year. I think it will go to his teammate, Palou, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pato Award gives a fight, especially that now you're down to the last six races, including a Nashville back at Indy at the road course, Gateway, one that that's the final oval. Portland, Laguna Seca, and Long Beach. So, I mean, a lot of good racing coming up, and it is going to be a good championship battle. It is, and I wouldn't necessarily count out um, Award or Dixon or or Newgarden, any of those top four that are in that sixty-nine point delta there, mm-hmm. um, because you know here, you know, you look at um, at Road America, you've got. Newgarden taking home 54 points for the weekend. Erickson, who finished second, took home 41, right? So if if Newgarden, you know, rides this momentum and takes home a couple of more wins, 
Um, and, you know, Dixon has a solid day or Pelot has a solid day like he did at, at Mid-Ohio. He finished third, but he only got 35 points, right? So that's a 19-point delta. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you keep doing that week after week, then that point differential goes away real quick. And same goes for Dixon, same goes for Award. So, um, you know, and then also, you know, Pelot could get really hot again to, to end the summer and, you know, stretch out his lead too. So all those, yeah. those scenarios are possible, but definitely I think those top four um, uh, are all part of the conversation. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the summer winds up. Oh, yes. So we had one more event this past weekend, and it was the second half of the, uh, in Austria, it was the, um, this time it was the BWT Grand Prix of Austria, Gelman, Max Verstappen in the two Austrian races is 142 laps led. He has led all of the laps in each race. Um, this time it was for Stappen winning it, Bottas and Norris, who overcame a five-second penalty for getting into Perez in turn four, um, was, was third. He, he squeaked by Hamilton near the end, who was fourth. Carlos Sainz was fifth. Sergio Perez this guy could not get a break this weekend. He would have been fifth, but he ended up with two ten, two five-second penalties. Um, I mean, they, they were handing out five-second penalties like they were going out of style this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, it, it was just mistakes galore. But, yeah, Perez was sixth, Ricardo seventh, Leclerc third, or sorry, Leclerc eighth, Gasly ninth, Alonso rounded out the points in tenth. Then you had Russell, Sonoda, Stroll, Giovanni, Latifi, Reckonen, and Fettel. Um, Fettel gang into his former teammate. They crashed. Um, Fettel crashed. I. It, it looked like he was going to pass him, and that was it. Just didn't see anything out of it. Um, Mick Schumacher met Miss Pin and then uh, uh, Esteban Ancon. But gentlemen, I, I saw probably the first half and then I, I watched the highlights at the end. But yeah, very dominant performance for, for Stappen. I mean, it's the Red Bull ring. The, the Red Bull fans come out in, in droves. I mean, they literally have their own section for Verstappen. Um, and it was a really good race. And and Verstappen at, at Dubaku and, and that issue where him and Hamilton did not get points. Um, but Perez did for Red Bull. Red Bull is just, you know, got its wings and they're going, um, you know, 32 point lead over Hamilton. I mean, it, I mean, it is doable to make that up. I mean, we're not even halfway in the season. We're on race nine out of 23. So we're not even halfway yet, 
so there is there is time for for Stappen to you know for Hamilton to chip away that lead. Same with Perez. Perez can actually chip away at 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 um, Hamilton and Norris can actually chip away at Perez as well. They're only three points separating. Even Bottas could do something. Um, you know, those top five guys, you know, something happens one week, like what happened at Baku and, you know, if for, you know, and for Sapa and Hamilton don't get points, um, it, it could really bring in something there, but yeah, that is, that is big. But what also is big is that Red Bull keeps growing their constructors lead, mm-hmm. um, I, on Mercedes and is about 44 points ahead. So that, that is going to be very interesting to see as, as we get into the, this longer stretch. I mean, we, we're going to talk about the British Grand Prix coming up, but you know, you got the Hungarian, I mean, according racer reference, you know, 71 laps, you know, both times and for Stappen led all of them at both Austrian races, but for Stappen has five wins. Hamilton has three Perez has one. So, I mean, six for Red Bull, three for Mercedes and, and literally your pulser has won the past three races. So you've got, you know, you're getting into the British Grand Prix you're going to get into the Hungarian. You're going to get into the Belgian, the Dutch, and you know, and the Manza. So you're getting into this August September stretch is going to be very. I mean, after these couple weeks, after the British Grand Prix, you have a couple weeks off. Then it's literally go time from August, you know, from August to you know. December so yeah it's going to be very interesting but great race and you know Verstappen just dominant I mean I heard Chris Medlin on WGR 550 in Buffalo on um, last week Tuesday they or last week Thursday they talked to um, um, he's a motorsports contributor for Formula One and racer.com and you know they just I mean it is like taking down the, the king of the, the hill here, but you know, Mercedes just doesn't have an answer. Gentlemen, your thoughts? Yeah, Dave, when you talk about, um, you know, and the, the last time I was on and, and recorded was, uh, was several weeks ago. And um, it was right around that time where I think we were just coming off of Monte Carlo Um Max Verstappen was, you know, finding some momentum, winning there, um, and snapping a, a two-race win streak by Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. And we talked then about how much of a of a, a dogfight this title, both driver and constructors, was going to be between Red Bull and Mercedes. Um, and what we've seen in the interim, and you know, especially here in uh in this race in uh uh, this most recent one at the red bull ring is that like you said uh red bull has mercedes number right now and they don't have an answer and quite frankly i'm looking at this this upcoming race in silverstone which is great britain that's lewis hamilton's 
home, home track, home country. And if Verstappen and Red Bull go in there and win in Lewis Hamilton's backyard, then as far as I'm concerned, this season's over. I think, mm-hmm. I think Red Bull finishes it up. Uh, even though, yes, there are a number of races still left to go. And there's, you know, some intrigue about, um, you know, where they're going to race certain races or not. I know there was some concern about uh, Melbourne and uh, if they were going to have to change that one up. So, um, uh, so we'll see what, what all happens there. But I think regardless, um, if Mercedes doesn't come in with an answer um, and Lewis Hamilton as the main driver um, for Mercedes doesn't come in and, and try to, and, and says, okay, you know, let's, 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 let's try and stifle this momentum here a little bit and create some of our own and let's make this, this title fight worth fighting again. (laughs) If, because otherwise, yeah, I I don't see anything else happening unless there's, you know, uh, a rule change or something like that, which, you know, let's be honest, it's formula one. If, you know, anybody has seen the movie rush, you know, that, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of intrigue that happens, uh, you know, beyond the racetrack and then the, the paddock and all that. So, um, you know, there, there may be some, some entertainment to come from that. Um, but in terms of the on-track product, yeah. Um, Red Bull seems like they have everything clicking on all eight cylinders right now. And Mercedes is just making mistake after mistake after mistake. And that's not how you win titles. Yeah, most certainly. Ryan, your thoughts before we head off to break? Well, as Elliot pointed out, Red Bull absolutely has Mercedes' number right now. And as you also said that you don't, they don't have an answer for it. Honestly, I don't know if there is an answer for it. It might simply just be Red Bull team is just playing better this season. And performances this year have absolutely shown that might just be the case and as you said if Mercedes doesn't come up with something in this next race that might be all she wrote for them this year it might just be you know just more of the same till the Red Bull team and odds are Max Verstappen holds that title high and if he does no one can argue that it was well deserved and well earned but a slight nod to Carlos signs for keeping Ferrari as relevant as they have been in many years. They owe him big time for that championship or not. He's brought them back from the brink to being, eh, they're worth talking about again. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And a lot of, um, I mean, a, a lot of good, I mean, a lot of good racing going on this year. And you're right, you know, it, you're right. If, if Elliot, if they go into Hamilton's backyard and, you know, Rebel does and make a, make a statement. Yeah, that's, that's definitely going to be the game changer and, and might do it. So, but a lot of good racing, we know their season's heating up. But gentlemen, we've got to actually get the the car in the garage, go over it, get prepared, 
it is time for a, a break, and Ryan's going to talk about where you can listen to us and how to find us on social media. This is From Checker to Green, the podcast. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Enjoying what you're listening to? Join the conversation. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at From Checker to Green Podcast. Is there a particular segment you enjoy? Tell us. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? Let us know. Your feedback helps drive this show and helps us turn out the product that you want to listen to. And speaking of listening, if you're enjoying what you're listening to now, you can hear the rest of our library on podcast.com as well as Apple Podcasts. Just look for From Checker to Green Podcast. We hope to hear from you soon. And now, back to the From Checker to Green Podcast. Thank you, Ryan. So our spotlight this week is on uh, some pretty sizable news that has come out of the uh, the NASCAR garage here in recent weeks, um, and specifically the bombshell revelation that Ganassi Racing, Chip Ganassi, um, has sold his NASCAR operation to Trackhouse Motorsports um, starting in the 2022 season. And Ganassi is stepping away from NASCAR entirely to focus on other motorsports ventures that he is still very much involved in. Uh, Trackhouse Motorsports, as we all know, um, formed uh, at, uh, late in 2020 into 2021. Uh, it is running full-time this year uh, with the number 99 car, uh, Daniel Suarez, the driver, um, Justin Marks uh, being one of the co-owners, uh, Pitbull uh, being a co-owner as well, uh, Ty Norris, um, the uh, former executive from uh, DEI and Michael Waltrip Racing, um, serving as, um, I believe, the uh, president there. Um, and uh, uh, supposedly this is a team that is uh, making a lot of waves in the garage, um, has a, uh, a course of, uh, has, is charting a course for their team and for their operation that uh, a lot of people like and a lot of people are fans of. Um, inside the uh, um, inside the garage so uh, but you know at the same time I don't think anybody saw a move coming where Chip Ganassi was just going to up and leave the sport entirely um, you know he's got two solid cars with Ross Chastain and Kurt Busch who just won this last weekend so they've got um, you know, not only a spot in the playoffs uh, for the, the end of this year, but also, um, you know, that team um, is, uh, you know, going to, you know, enjoy some benefits from that for the coming year, I think. Um, much as, uh, you know, we talked about a few months ago when Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500 and what that means for uh, his team and for Front Row Motorsports going forward not only for the rest of 2021, but for 2022 as well. So, um, you know, I'm not entirely sure how those mechanics work if your team is being, you know, uh, purchased by another owner. Um, but um, uh, still, you know, there's 
that team is not um, a backmarker team. They're a solid race winning team. And so for, uh, for this to happen, you know, the way it is, you know, now um, is uh, a, a huge revelation. And so let's, um, let's kind of break this down. Let's talk about, um, you know, what the, the business implications of this are, um, who they, they might take for that second seat. They said that we're sticking with Daniel Suarez. Um, you know, he's doing a great job for us this year. Um, you know, and, and he is, they, he's taken a, a brand new team and finished well um, at times this season. You know, they've had their growing pains, but you know, Suarez has shown, give him a good car, he'll get you a good finish. Um, so he's locked in for 22. Now they need a second driver. So who do we think that second driver may be? And what are the implications of that going forward? So with that, uh, let's just uh, open it up and um, talk about it. So uh, gentlemen, what do you think? Well, you know, thinking about the second driver, and I mean, he's getting two teams. So we, we know that they won't expand to three teams. But the second driver, you know, I I think it's going to be Kurt Busch. I, I think you're going to, you know, I, I think with him winning this weekend, you know, you want somebody there who can help with the team. Kurt has, I know, has found his way. Um, you know, the whole, you know, if you listen to the Dale Jr. download when Jimmy Spencer was on and how, you know, he told, you know, how Jimmy talked to Roush about things that Kurt did, how immature he was in that carry to Penske. And, you know, and once he finally left Penske, it, it felt like, you know, when he went to Haas, everything, he, he got into he found his way more and, and he matured. And I think that would be huge. I, I think they would need that. You want somebody to help um, be there who, who knew the team and that, who knew the insights, insights of the team, who could give you feedback, who, who could be that consultant, you know, it, it, it's barring, you know, you know, if he doesn't retire, um, but I, I think that would be, I think that would be the thing. Where do I see Chastain going? Well, I think it's going to depend who, who they sell that off to. And we know 2311 Motorsports, the, the Jordan Dane Hamlin team, we're, we're talking about a second driver. So I could see Ross Chastain you know, maybe being that, that second driver or vice versa if Hamlin wants Bush. But I think that's the two spots that you could see more likely being in there is that it's going to be a Ganassi driver. It's either Bush or Chastain. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that, Dave. I Honestly, I don't think there's going to be any decisions made for that before the end of the season. And I feel it's probably going to be, you know, based on which of the two drivers has the most, you know, solid performance. I think that's going to have an influence on the decision. But I'd be personally shocked if they didn't take Kurt Busch as their second driver. I just feel, one, he has a pretty strong career to speak of. And having that, you know, 
solid veteran presence on your team. That's a good way, you know, to have a solid foundation for it. And, you know, if your team performs well, you can grow your team with a solid base like that. But, you know, it's full of surprises. You you can't say for certain that that's going to happen now, especially if out of nowhere, Ross Chastain has a complete blowout season. It's unlikely. I agree. But it's way too early to be able to say that for certainty. But if I were to put money on it right now, I would say Kurt Busch is going to be their driver. I agree with both of y'all in that, um, you know, Kurt Busch is probably um, probably the guy, um, at least for the first couple of years of um, this iteration of Trackhouse Motorsports, um, because Kurt Busch has said, you know, somebody already tried to um, spread a rumor that he was retiring at the end of this year. And he said in no uncertain terms, I'm not going anywhere. Um, if somebody will have me, I'm racing. So there's that. Number two, as we have seen, race wins go a long way with um, car owners and car sponsors. Um, see Alex Bowman um, taking his name out of the contract year um, hoopla uh, a, a couple of months ago with some convincing runs and some wins, right? Winning cures everything. So um, the fact that you have a driver that is still in race winning form, and then as, as you all talked about, um, you know, knows the ins and outs of that operation very well, um, can uh, serve as kind of a guide for, um, for Justin Marks and Ty Norris um, to come in and you know say okay you know we've got a lot of parts and pieces here you know what what can we pick to make work um you know what can we afford to to let go um you know kurt bush will be an invaluable guide for them to um assimilate all of those assets make themselves competitive immediately um and then also incorporate all of that when they try to move to Nashville, right? That's another thing that um, is a stated goal of Justin Marks and Time Horse and the Trackhouse Motorsports operation. They're going to operate out of the Ganassi shop in 2022. Um, and let me get the, um, the proper uh, quotation for that here. Um, but, um, you know, they do intend to operate out of North Carolina in 2022. Um, and then in 23, they're thinking about, um, yeah, this was on the um, uh, NBC Sports article by Chris Estrada on June 30th, um, where they state their intentions. So there's a lot of flux involved in this team in the coming years. And so, yes, you've got that, um, that youthful exuberance um, with a little bit of experience thrown in for good measure in the form of Daniel Suarez, um, having a, um, an experienced veteran who's still winning um, in the cars that you're going to get in Kurt Busch will go a long way with them. So there's that. Um, with that said, um, you know, we talk about Ross Chastain, right? 
And so, okay, well, what happens to him? Um, because he's a very, very popular driver, um, very marketable. Um, and so where does he go from here? One thought I have for somebody like him who is really aggressive, really fast, would be a team like Team Penske. They take drivers that are really fast, really aggressive, and mold them into championship-winning drivers. Full stop. That's, that's what they did with Joey Logano. That's what they did with Brad Keselowski, right? So that may be a perfect fit them um and also um you know chastain bringing over um the uh the whole watermelon thing um that uh you know that could also be a um you know a tangible benefit for him so we'll see where that goes um but um in terms of any other drivers that that may be out there i mean you have to benedetto too um but the question with him is would be would he be able to bring in um any funding right away right he's been a feel-good story in the sport for um, a little while now um you know he got his his you know really big break with the wood brothers is starting to run well now which is great he's in the competition you know or the uh, conversation for the playoffs um but um you know he has to do a little bit more i think if um he's gonna i think be considered for for this ride or quite frankly any other ride in cup series uh going forward and there again it all comes down to wins wins get you the visibility so um those are i guess kind of my thoughts you bring up a good point elliot about the benedetto now according jski.com according to their 2020 team you know they're, they're starting to put together their team chart um something that they they've talked about about drivers changing teams is that Penske's Cendrick's coming up next year to cup and that he was going to slide into the 21 for Wood Brothers racing but if Keselowski leaves Penske uh which the rumors are out there and, and we don't know how much true that is that Kozlowski's being offered to, to buy into Roush. Um, if that's the case, it, you know, it puts him, you know, it, it would put him over to Roush, but it, you know, DeBanel would probably end up staying at the Wood Brothers because Cindric would be the one who to take the two or if he really wants the 22, you're moving Logano to the two and you're putting Cendric in the 22. It's, I mean, it, it's going to be very tough for Chastain to be. Now, there is talk that 2311 really wanted Kurt Bush. So you've got that option. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that would open up Chastain. So, I mean, Chastain, and, and, and this is where I got back to the earlier comments about what Kyle Bush said about Chastain after the race. You don't want to do that because you may say something, you say something like that about a driver on the air, and it does have ramifications. It, it, it can blow back in your face. Um, it's... I mean, 
i.e. the whole Noah Gregson and who was it in the Xfinity race? They, you know, they said things about each other on the, you know, on TV and, and Gregson said something and it ended up, you know, there was a fist fight on pit road this year. It's so you gotta be careful what you say because Chastain is a free agent essentially now. Mm-hmm. And Chastain's talented. And I mean, granted, you, you're probably going to have Christopher Bell next year. Um, you know, he's going to be there. But you don't know. I mean, that's the thing. You don't know who's going to retire, who's going to say they're done with. And there's a second, there's another chart. There's essentially going to be a second car out there. If you think about it, if Trackhouse is taking over the Ganassi operation, and if that's the case, and they say, well, we're going to keep two charters, and we're going to only have a two-car team, this third one's up for, up for grabs, you know, a, a team like Gibbs, who probably has had the worst of luck this year, you know, or has had the struggling with Hamlin who hasn't won a race. You've got Christopher Bell, you got Bush, you, you essentially got Ty Gibbs starting to be in the wings. I mean, you know, a fourth team would be really good. And if Gibbs likes how Chastain runs and says, Hey, We'll buy that next. We'll, we'll buy that off of you to put up a, a another team. It's, I mean, it, it it could very well, you know, you know, what does Kyle Busch do if Chastain ends up being his teammate? I mean, Chastain's talented and he brings money to the sport. I mean, he he brings money, and. You know, he could, um, I mean, it's, you know, I I think it's going to be very interesting to see what what comes from that. You know, I mean, now Ganassi is Chevy powered, too. So there there are some good Chevy teams out there. I mean, I mean, with Hendrick, they, they do have the four car effort. They're they're in good position, good position. Um, but you've got some other Chevy teams out there that could use you know could use the help. So I I just think I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see where Chastain lands. It's just right now. There's just so many unknowns out there mm-hmm. because we don't know what's going on with Kozlowski. Heck, right. we don't know what's going on with Kurt Busch. He may, mm-hmm. you know, he may pull the the Jeff Gordon and say, "Hey, you know, you know, Trackhouse might say, hey, you know what? We want you as a consultant on the team.'" You know, you know, you've talked about retirement. You said you weren't going anywhere, but you know, what if we offered you this consultant position to help us out? You know that that may be something there. The other thing, um, 
Trackhouse could do is that Trackhouse could turn around and say, we may put an Xfinity team out. You could take that route too and, and start getting something. But yeah, it, it, it's going to be very interesting where that goes. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the most important point that you made, Dave, is that there's a great deal of unknowns currently, especially being at the point we are in the season. The best we could do right now is, you know, speculate and say, you know, this person could go here, this person could go there. But saying anything with any kind of certainty right now, realistically, is just too early. However, the point, the point that I'd like to make is both of these drivers, both Bush and Chastain, I feel that neither of them have anything to worry about because teams would be foolish not to sink their teeth into them at the first opportunity. Indeed. Um, there's a couple of things to think about our, um, you know, we talk about uh, Chevy teams and, you know, which Chevy teams, you know, might have, have places and yeah, there's, there's not really a lot of them out there um, because, um, you know, the only additional one I can think of really is, you know, this other, the second uh, seat opening up at Trackhouse. Um, like y'all said, Hendrick is good to go. Um, Childress, I think, is good to go too. Uh, they've got a good lineup there with Tyler Reddick and, and Austin Dillon. Uh, they're doing some good things this year. Uh, you've got Calling Racing also, who is moving up to the Cup Series next year. Um, but um, at the same time, pretty much their operation is spoken for. You've got Justin Haley running the, uh, the full uh, season with them. Uh, and then A.J. Allmendinger coming in um, occasionally as well. But he's going to uh, stay in the Xfinity Series and run for the championship again. Uh, and this is all, all according to the AP. Um, so what you have there is a essentially a part-time um, uh, audition opportunity um, for the second colleague seat. So for somebody like that, I could see, I mean, pick any Chevy driver out there um, in the Xfinity or the truck series um, and you know, watch, watch and see what they do there. Um, Justin, uh, excuse me, Josh Berry comes to mind immediately because um, he's shown what he can do with good equipment um, in, uh, at Junior Motorsports. Will he get a, a, a chance to run in cup next year with Colic? We'll see. Um, but I don't see anything in here that is a full-time opportunity um, going forward. So does that mean Chastain jumps manufacturers? That's entirely possible too. Um, you know, we've talked about some different places that he could go there too, but um, you know, y'all make some interesting points about Kurt Busch and that, yeah, uh, 2311 may be interested in him too. So he's, you know, and, and with the win this last weekend, I mean, he's, he's definitely raising his profile quite a bit. Um, but um, you know, another thing to think about too is um, you know, another, big piece of this uh this colleague thing 
was the disclosure on the on a recent episode of the Dale Jr. download that, um, according to Jr., he had heard um, uh, a little birdie land on his shoulder and and uh, tell him that uh, supposedly Colic Racing had paid um, uh, an eight figure amount, uh, which is ten million or more for each of the two charters that they purchased from Spire Motorsports to go cup racing next year. So um, my next question is, okay, is Trackhouse keeping both charters from Ganassi I, for their team? I, 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 uh, to, to finish up, because we're going to be up against the break in a couple moments here. I think we have, I, I think they're going to keep one of them. There's just no way that Ganassi gets out and says, oh, I'm just selling both of them to, to track house. I mean, if that was the case, I think you'd see it go, you know, split to another team. I think it's Ganassi saying, here's everything. Here's the whole shebang. You can take it over. You've got three charters now with track house. They could go to three teams. They could go sell one, make a little more money, get, you know, sell it, get a little more money on it. That's where you're going to, I think you're going to see it eventually happen is I think they're going to sell the third one. See, I might be the coming in from the wilds of left field on this one, but I think that all of them are going to go to track house and I think it's going to be in their hands to decide whether they're going to keep all of them. Yeah. I wouldn't be overly shocked if they were to sell one, but I don't think Ganass is going to go, okay, you get this one and this other one over here is just, you know, we'll figure that out later. Now I think they're all going to get to track house in the sale and it's going to come down to them to decide whether they're keeping it. Yeah. But that is just one man's humble opinion. And, and who knows if they're, and we don't know the terms of the deals of the deal yet, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if there's any contingency of this is in case Ganassi decides down the road to um, throw his hat back in the ring, you know, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. We'll, we'll find out more as those details come along. Um, more will be coming along with this for sure. Um, but for now, it's time to um, get the car on the hauler and get to the track. We got, um, we got some green flag racing coming up on the other side of this break. We're going to talk about uh, the upcoming race for NASCAR in New Hampshire, um, as well as uh, the upcoming Formula One uh, race in Great Britain. Um, so we'll see you on the other side of this break. This is from Checker to Green. We'll be right back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Are you looking to give your business its own unique identity? Consider Samurai Graphics. Samurai Graphics has the knowledge and the resources to make your business stand out amongst your competitors. All things from logo design to business cards and letterheads to advertisement resources such as postcards, flyers, stickers, and posters that can really get your name out amongst the customers. 
If you're interested in more information, contact Samurai Graphics at samuraigraphics716 at gmail.com. Samurai Graphics, your business design solution. And now we're back to the From Checker to Green podcast. Welcome back, race fans. And we are kicking off our green segment with a couple race previews this weekend. As Elliot mentioned, we got the Cup guys going to New Hampshire, and the F1 guys are in Great Britain. And gentlemen, let's start it off by talking about New Hampshire. Is this Sunday? It's the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. We've got. Um, Looking at the racing action this weekend for the cup guys, um, no practice or qualifying. So essentially it's going to be the whole, let's determine the points here and there. Um, we've got, they're going to run Sunday or we'll, you know, determine your starting position based on the formula. We've got the cup guys there, the, um, the um, wheel and modifieds are going to be part of the action. The Xfinity guys are going to be there. They're going to be racing on, on Saturday. But we look here, and gentlemen, let's talk about Sunday's action at, at New Hampshire. Looking at it right now, the, um, the race, it's 301 laps on a track that's a little over a mile. We've got, um, we've got stages of 75, 185. Um, so stage one, 75 laps, and then stage two ends at 185. And then you got at the end, a little over 318 miles on the track. And your entry list includes um, some the Nobles. Last week's winner, Kurt Busch, is on here. I mean, we've got Ryan Newman, Corey LaJoy is going to be running, Tyler Reddick, Chase Elliott, uh, James Davison is showing up for Wick or Wick Wear Racing. You've also got. Um, you know, looking at this, you got Ryan Priest. I'm sure he's going to be running the modified event too. So, you know, look at him to get some, you know, look for him to probably have a good show showing there. Um, you've got Justin Haley who's going to run. Gentlemen, looking at, you know, just to name a few, who do you think? Um, well, first off, what do you think strategy is going to be going into this race weekend? Elliot? Well, track position is going to be at a premium here. Um, always has been, always will be. This is a, um, a really difficult track to get around, and it's even tougher to pass. And I expect this coming weekend to be no different. Um, additionally, there's also going to be potentially the issue of weather. Uh, some of the early weather forecasts for the coming weekend uh, suggest potentially some unsettled weather, uh, both uh, Saturday and Sunday. So that may also um, throw a monkey wrench into the um, 
into the strategy, especially once you get beyond halfway, remembering now that um, the race is official at halfway, not just at the end of stage two anymore. So there is that to consider as well. Um, so what that means for, um, for pit strategy will be you know, quite interesting. We saw uh, Eric Almarola attempt to try and wait out um, a pit stop at Atlanta um, for, uh, for some rain, but uh, that didn't end up coming to be. Might the same thing happen here? We shall see. It's not a big enough track like Pocono or any of the, um, the road courses to where if you want to try and get off sequence um, and stay on the lead lap, you can get away with it. You can't do that here. So there is that to consider as well. Um, but, you know, does, does that mean, okay, you catch a caution um, and you're able to get off sequence that way? That's a possibility too. Um, but there again, you want that, um, that track position if at all possible. So I think that's, that's probably what's going to end up winning out. Um, and possibly another nature too. We'll see. Brian, your thoughts? Well, I think Elliot's hundred percent correct. Track position is going to be king in this race. You know, the better you start, the better the odds of you finishing well. Not that it's impossible to pass here and there on this track, but it's really hard. And at this stage in the season, people are less inclined to give you an inch. So Really, it's going to be the track position is going to be the one deciding factor as to not just who wins, but who places well. And as you also pointed out, Elliot, Mother Nature likes to throw curveballs at every opportunity. So that could pretty much take everyone's strategy and go, oh, look, there it goes out the window because, you know, nature changed everything. But if that doesn't have a major impact, he who starts well will probably finish well. I definitely agree. I mean, strategy is going to, you know, it, it come into play, especially weather and, and position. I mean, you know, you know, depending, you know, if there's rain going to show up and when it shows up, where do you decide to, um, you know, where do you decide to pit if it's going to come earlier in the stages before halfway? Where do you, you know, where, where do you, you know, make those pit stops if it's going to be after halfway and you know it's a good chance, you know, especially if it gets near the end, you know, you know how that how that factors. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. I mean, positions are tough to get. It is a tough track to pass. So you got to make your, you know, you got to make your moves early and then you got to hope that some strategy pits up, you know, works out. And, and also caution's going to be a factor. I mean, if you end up getting a lot of cautions there, you know, or you have a decent amount of cautions because someone's crashing and, you know, or, you know, they're, they're, they've cooked the tires or that. And, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that strategy all plays out because you got to factor in that too. So, you know, you're going to come in with a notebook and I'm going to take a bet you're throwing out the first 75 pages of that and you're using blank sheets the rest of the time. 
So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that is. Um, gentlemen, really quick, who do you think wins it? Um, I foresee this one going to somebody like a Truex um, that, you know, yeah, uh, you know, Hendrick is, is doing pretty well, but Gibbs is doing pretty well too. Um, and I think what we saw this past weekend was, um, you know, Gibbs is still operating at a high level. Hendrick, I think, took a little bit of a step back this weekend. Um, you know, the fact that uh, Kyle Larson went from dominating the race in the spring to, you know, not really being heard of at all um, this past weekend is kind of testament to that. So um, I think it's going to be somebody um, from from one of these teams. And I think it's probably going to be somebody that has a lot of experience there. Um, so I look for, um, for Truex doing really well there. Uh, maybe even Ryan Newman, even though he's not from the Northeast, he's run a lot of, uh, run a lap, run a lot of laps there in, uh, in different series. Logano's run well here as well. This is his home track being from Connecticut. Um, and also, um, you know, you want to throw a dark horse in there, um, you know, Ryan Priest could be, um, you know, in the conversation for a top 10 as well. Again, um, you know, being from the Northeast, being from Connecticut and having to run a lot of laps this track over the years too. But um, I think in terms of who's going to win it, um, I'd probably pick Truex. Ryan, your thoughts? Honestly, one that you mentioned, Elliot, was one that I was actually going to pick and that was Joey Logano because home sweet home uh, i think that gives him a comfort advantage here and if he plays as well on the course I, I see him doing very well here i you know i i agree i i think it's either going to be truex or logano El, elliot you, you got a veil point with priest i mean if he runs you know and, and if he does run the mods this weekend He's got a, you know, he's going to know how to do that and he's going to know how to get around there. He, he knows how to do it. So he could be the dark horse, but I definitely think it's going to be a Truex or a Logano. Um, I do, I think Kevin Harvick could have a good day. If, if the, if everything falls right for him, I think he could have a good day out of it. But I definitely one of those guys. Um, and we'll, we'll see what Hendrick does too. I mean, you know, a, you know, this could be a race that, you know, Bowman or, or one of the Hendrick guys out of there, Byron or, or Larson or even Chase Elliott. Um, I mean, Chase Elliott's running the, the SRX in Nashville the night before before the cup race and you know if he gets you know if he has you know you know talk about you know running a very tight track and in, in position that matters at the nashville Fair, fairgrounds um you know that might help him out a little bit so we'll, we'll see how hendrick does but that's not the only race we've got this weekend gentlemen we also got Formula One at Silverstone, Lewis Hamilton's backyard. Um, I mean, after Euro Cup and England losing it, I mean, I, 
you know, this would be probably a, a very good thing if Hamilton does win it. But let's talk about the track first before we get into that. Um, some stats about about the track it is one of the longer tracks on there. 18 turns, two DRS zones. Um, you got one from five and six. You pick up the DRS detection going into three. And then in, that's in sector one. In sector two, you pick up between 10 and 11 and you get the speed trap for the fastest lap is in that point as well, which is going to be 14 and 15. So you could see a lot of fast laps ending up happening in that with, um, with the potential of um, that DRS playing in there and someone gang there. But it's 5.91 kilometers. It is 52 laps. The race distance, 306 kilometers. A gentleman, the tire breakdown for this, according to Pirelli, they are going with the hardest, which is C1. C2 is your hard medium. And C3, which is you're going to be your softest tire, is equivalent to the medium. So on the upper end of the of the spectrum on this, um, for the tires, this is where last year they were having the tire problems start to develop with Pirelli during the race. Guys, who do you think, you know, what what do you think is going to be very interesting this weekend? Or what are you looking forward to happening? in Silverstone. One thing I'm looking forward to seeing is everybody, how they maneuver turn four. Yeah. Because turn four, that is probably has to be in the argument of one of the tightest turns in all of Formula One. And how they maneuver around that turn is probably going to go a long way to determine who's going to have a solid run throughout the track. And fun little tidbit for everybody, the lap record at Silverstone is 1 minute 27.097 seconds, which was set last year by Max Verstappen. An omen of things to come? Never know. That is true. Um, yeah, that is a, um, a very slow speed corner turn four you talked about there, Ryan. Uh, still not as tight as... Um, that uh, that hairpin at Monaco, I think, but uh, yeah. still, no question, yes. Uh, now that hairpin at Monaco is brutal. Oh yeah, it, it, <laughs> mo most certainly, that is a a very tough corner. I mean, yep. the, the hairpin, and then the, and then on top of it, the bus stop. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's a, it, I mean, three, four, and five to to close out, and you gotta be good, especially if you pick up that DRS. And you're within mm -hmm. one second. You make a hiccup there, forget it. You you're not going to have a shot to pass anybody. So if you're going to make a pass, you got to be on top of it. Now the question is, do you think there's going to be a whole bunch of penalties there? I mean, they, that's a really good question because they were, you know, they were getting after it in a big way um, here this last uh, this last race at the Red Bull Ring. So, you know, do we see that that sort of thing carry over into this week? I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, you've got 
you know, a couple of, um, I'm, I'm looking in particular at turn six and seven. Yeah. Um, and maybe coming out of turn four and so, five as well. Um, you know, those I feel like could probably be the best um, or the most likely opportunity, excuse me, for somebody to get forced off track and for the stewards to have to make a call like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the video right now about Silverstone, and I, I will tell you, they're looking at, I mean, the, the way you're looking at this track layout, you start and you go into one and two, you're, you're about in power, and then you get into three, four, five, and it's slow down, really slow down, power it back up. But yeah, six, seven, you're about medium speed and you're kind of power high speed throughout before you get to that little chicane in, in 16, 17. So yeah, it's going to be a, I mean, it, it's really going to be very interesting to see. And, and just watching this virtual lap now by Lewis Hamilton, I mean, he, I mean, He's in eighth gear, and as soon as he gets into three, they're down into fourth and third gear. Does he even go into second? No, he stays into third. So, yeah, you got to really jump on the brakes. So I I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be very interesting, those corners. Look for the, the, you know, look for opportunities to be made or missed there. Gentlemen, because of what happened in Euro um, 2020 with England and, and the soccer and them losing it, um, if Lewis, do you think that it would be fitting for Lewis Hamilton to win it? And do you think he will? I think if we're playing the odds, especially being that it's his home track and he's very good at riding that level of momentum. I think his chances are better than average, but there are no guarantees in racing. Mm-hmm. So I think given where the, um, where Mercedes is right now, relative to Red Bull, um, you know, you have to question, okay, how much does the advantage that Red Bull clearly enjoys over Mercedes and everybody else um, offset um, any, you know, additional motivation for Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes team um, for it being, you know, Lewis Hamilton's home track. Um, to me, I think those odds are 50-50. Yeah. I, it'll go either way. I, I, I definitely I, I definitely agree. I think it, it, the odds are 50-50 for them. And I think it, it, it's going to be very interesting, but it, it is going to be interesting to see how qualifying shakes up. I mean, in Austria, clearly practice Mercedes was, was on top and then Rebel just nailed them in qualifying. And then that was it. So I think the, I, I think the key for Mercedes this weekend is you're going to have to outdo Red Bull. You got to do it. You know, it's Hamilton's backyard. Um, Bottas needs a good run because there's already talk that Bottas may not be back next year. 
Um, yeah, I've heard some rumors about this, but I'll confess yeah. I haven't looked into it. Yeah, uh, it, and, and it's, you know, not sure who they're going. I, I'm not sure if I, and if I hear it more, like I said, WGR in Buffalo has a weekly Formula One person come on. Um, I don't know if they're making a swipe at Perez or, or something, but it could be Bottas could end up in Williams next year. I don't know that there's rumors going on, but Bottas needs a good run. I think it will be very interesting this year. You know, I, I think it's going to be a very good race this weekend. And, and they always put on a good show at Silverstone. So, guys, who do you think wins it? If I was a betting man... I'd have to bet for stopping because his hot streak is the stuff of legend. And I don't see that ending. I I agree. I think it's going to be for stopping as well. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go the other way. I think on this one, um, just because as you're right. If, if we want to, if we want to see, um, you know, this championship fight last any longer than this race weekend, then Hamilton has to win it. Yeah. He, he, he definitely does. If he wants to have something in it, I mean, especially after losing out on a podium last weekend, I think he's going to be more hungry for that. Yep. Um, so, so that's going to be my pick. I think is, is uh, Hamilton's going to get it done at home as long as he prevents the red bull team from renting any space in his head he'll be fine but that's the one hardest thing to get over is that hot streak that they're running you can't focus on that you got to focus on the track ahead yes oh yes and definitely and anything can happen anything Mm -hmm. can happen and, and not fun so with that said gentlemen we've got our final thoughts and we wanted to reflect we, we, on something new that happened Friday night. And I got to watch it. Well, most of it um, was, you know, I kind of tuned it off after the demolition derby at the end. But the, the um, Camping World Truck Series at Knoxville, guys, for our final thoughts. It was the inaugural race, the Corn Belt 150, won by um, Austin Hill, I believe it was, Elliot. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. It went 29 laps past the the race end, uh, four green, uh, four overtime, you know, restarts. Like I said, demolition derby at the end. But guys, I I watched it. I think it was great racing, except at the end, um, you know, you know, for a track like Knoxville, it, it was a really good, um, good, good track for the trucks. I think, um, you know, not as banked, um, probably something that that's really good for them. And I think it was a really good race. And, my thoughts on that is I think they got to put back on the schedule next year. Keep 
keep it going. I love that Donnie Schatz tried it. Sad that he got into a ruck at the end and, and that was it. But um, I think it was really good. And I think I'd like to see the Xfinity guys try it. I mean, if the trucks had a good race on there, I think the Xfinity guys would be really cool, good to see on there. Um, but I very successful event, you know, that, that Iowa um, dirt, that dark colored dirt that, I mean, really good and a good history making event there. Gentlemen, your thoughts about the trucks at Iowa. Um. I'm kind of conflicted because, um, you know, on one hand, um, you know, you had, um, you know, you had some, some good racing early, some multi-groove racing, which then, you know, quickly turned exclusively into a single groove racetrack. Um, and the only way you were getting around the track with any semblance of speed was if you hugged the bottom and that was it. Um, and we saw a lot of wrecks, as you pointed out, late because um, people were, you know, rooting each other out of the way to keep that bottom groove, you know, to be able to, to stay on the bottom. Um, and I heard a lot of criticism about that from, uh, from some drivers um, after the race, um, you know, reading interviews and listening interviews and things. Um, and my question is, well, okay, um, you know, if this was such a, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, why aren't we running at Iowa Speedway down the way in Newton, right? Um, which is the seven eighth mile uh, uh, Richmond lookalike. Um, a lot of good racing has happened there over the years, no question. But um, they were going for something different with this weekend. Um, and you know what, this has been the year of, okay, let's try this, right? So they, um, th that's what they did here. I don't fault them for it um, in, you know, by any stretch of the mind. Um, and additionally, we also need to think about, well, where have we seen this script before? You know, where it's single groove, hug the bottom and, you know, root people out of the way. That's what Bristol built itself on over the years, right? Yeah. Um, that's what Martinsville built itself on. That's why... 18,000 people go pack Bowman Gray Stadium every Friday night. They're not running, you know, two, three wide. They're, you know, lap after lap after lap. No, it's single groove on the bottom. And you want to get by somebody, you're going to have to give them the chrome horn. Now, with that said, the problem that came out of here was, and this, I, um, I can't remember who said this and I'm, I'm, I regret it, but, um, they talked about the lack of respect. Um, it, it was um, actually, it was one of the dirt guys. Um, hang on a minute, let me find, find him here. Um, I think it might've been Kyle Strickler, I think. Um, but um, one of them said, because he was coming in as like a one-off, I think. And he said he was really blown away at the lack of respect that drivers had for each other, um, you know, especially late. It wasn't just, um, you know, using the chrome horn to, um, to, you know, give somebody the bump and run. They were just flat wrecking everybody, right? And so that, I think, is where the problems um, really arose from, was this lack of respect and everybody just, 
you know, driving um, super aggressively to the point where, um, you know, being able to run on a single group racetrack just turned into a crash fest. And so that's, that's what happened here. Now, is it possible going forward? Because they talk about, um, you know, well, you know, they were proposing maybe, I think they were talking about doing like a, a halfway break or something like that, work on the racetrack. Um, and that didn't happen. And so, you know, as time went on, it all went to the bottom. Do they change that if they come back here and, you know, put a halfway break in? Um, as I think they may have done at, uh, at Bristol for the Cup Series. Um, you know, that's they, a good question. They used to do it at Eldora. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, that's where they used to do it. Yeah. So um, I, I would foresee them maybe coming back here and trying it again one more time. Um, I don't think they're, I don't think this one's, uh, uh, I don't think this one's finished by any stretch of the mind, but um, you know, clearly there's some things to work on uh, going forward. And, you know, if they want to try and resurrect Iowa uh, Speedway again, which I'm in favor of, I think that's a great track. Um, but the fact that they're running Knoxville instead of Newton, I think kind of goes to show that, you know, they're really trying to, um, to do some things differently. Um, now that's at the expense of some things that they already had in place, you know, to it, um, the truck race at Eldora, unto it. Um, and I think they would be very well served in mending fences, making amends, and getting Eldora back on the calendar again. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on this one just yet. Brian, your thoughts? I'm gonna keep this as succinct as I can. One, they definitely need to have the break at the half point. Because if they were able to solve that you know, hard bottom groove problem at the halfway, I don't think it would have turned into a wreck fest at the end. So if they implement that, I think they could get rid of a lot of the problems they had in this race. Two, I think they more than earned a spot on the schedule, and I'd very much like to see it run again next year. And three, to your point, Dave, I think if with a solid run from the trucks there, I think the Xfinity guys could put on a show and a half. So my vote is let's go back. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him try it one more time and, and see what happens and get that groove figured out. But the other thing is, is it is dirt track racing and, um, you know, dirt tracks, you sometimes, some nights you have one groove and that's where you've got to, got to learn, hey, you know, it's not, you know, you can try to make a groove but it may not work. Look at the world of outlaws, but yeah. So with that said, gentlemen, it has been a, a pleasure, another great show. And I want to thank our listeners. We appreciate for listening to us, you know, follow us on, on social media and, you know, keep, keep listening to us. I mean, the, the listens definitely help drive us as well. Yep. Uh, this is Elliot Tardif uh, saying um, it's uh, great to be back um, and uh, 
uh, yeah, uh, it's it's great to be back and talking racing with um, with my two good friends here, and it's great to have you all listening. And thank you very much for your the uh, for your time, and can't wait to come back again next time. And this is Ryan Kolpak. Can't say how enough how much we appreciate everyone that listens. We appreciate all the time that you take to hear the three of us yammer about racing. It means a lot. Look forward to having you join us in the conversation on social media. And we will catch you on the next round. I'm David Moy. This is From Checker to Green, the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Checkered to Green podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook group, Checkered to Green podcast. Tune in next time for more insight into the racing business with the Checkered to Green podcast. (laughs) 